Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. And I hope that you'll allow me to speak from my own experience just for a little bit, that I've been in pastoral ministry for 16 years, and in those 16 years, I've done a lot of funerals. I tell my family regularly, I said, we are a family well acquainted with death. Anybody that spends any time around a farm knows you figure out death pretty quickly, and pastoral ministry will lead you into that as well. And as I work with families, as I talk through the experience of death, what I find is that increasingly Christians find themselves struggling with death. It used to be it was like we kind of understood where it was headed, and, and I find folks like, what do we do with death in the context of faith? Perhaps some of that is because we are, maybe it's because we are so exposed to death. Just this week, you know how many of you reached out and said, I just can't take any more of the world right now? I'm telling you, it was more than one of you. We've, so we're like, how in the world does God make sense of all this death? Perhaps other reasons are because we have so many sort of theories on death. They're like, wait a second, who's telling me the truth and where do I go to make sense of the death that I experience in my own life? But in all of this, we seem confused, maybe a little uncertain. And what I would offer is that when we try to say something good, what I often hear, what, what I often hear Christians say is more wishful than hopeful. And I hope you understand the difference. More wishful than hopeful. I'm wishing something to be true rather than rooted in something that we believe to be true. But here's the thing, friends. In the, in the context of death, hope is at the center of it all. Paul writes to the Thessalonians. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no there's a couple things going on here, but the first thing is that following Jesus does not get you out of grief. Grief is part of what it means to follow after God. God has not taken that away. That is part of the human experience. But we grieve with hope. And so when we come here today, we do not come here to mourn as the world mourns. We come to grieve in a particularly Christian way, and that is a way that is deeply rooted in hope. And Paul continues. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. I want you to hear that. I want you to think about this for a second. For all the miraculous things that Christianity proclaims, right? And there are many. Some of y'all already started your Christmas celebrations. We're going to talk about that later. But start with that. Like the idea that God comes down to earth that is the most remarkable thing anybody has ever said. There's all kinds of things we talk about about what real power is in the world and what love is and what peace is and all these things. But for all the wonderful things we proclaim, surely highest among that list must be that the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, the one we say came down from heaven to walk among us, dies. If you spend enough time with that, God dies. God dies. Like that sentence is like, wait, what? But it's exactly what we proclaim. But in that there is hope. Hear this. There is nowhere we can go, friends, including the grave, where Christ is not already gone. There is nowhere we can go where Christ is not already gone and where Christ does not accompany us. And so hope 
It's not to be found in wishful thinking about a, a good person or, you know, the little harps in heaven. No, no, no. Hope is to be found that the path of Christ is our way. The path of Christ is the way of discipleship. And the path of Christ is going to take all of us right through death. Therefore, to die is the way of Jesus. Death is not the absence of God. Rather, one might say, because of our commitment to the cross, it is perhaps the most profound presence of Christ. And here, perhaps, is where hope can begin. Because we need hope, do we not? And we are not alone in this as followers of Christ. Followers of Christ have always looked for hope in difficult circumstances. And I want to go to a passage, and I don't touch Revelation often because it usually takes more than a sermon to sort it out. But today we go and do that. Because of the cross, John has something he wants to share with us. Because John, in this, in this, in this apocalypse, is trying to help a congregation just like us deal with the immensity of death around them. They're living right in the throes of a violent Roman empire. I need you to get your mind wrapped around this. In fact, they're so violent and so oppressive that John himself has been exiled to Patmos. He's been separated. He's gone. He's out. And he's writing back to the people on the mainland saying, keep going, keep going. Life is deteriorating all around them. And he wants, that, wants to help them make sense of it, to find hope in the light of Jesus. Where is the hope? But John does an interesting thing. John doesn't root hope in the future. And if we read Revelation as the future, that's generally where we get it wrong. John is not looking towards the future. John is actually sharing something about right now and where hope is in the present. Revelation is about what is going on now as a present reality. And in that present reality, he wants to drive our focus to Christ. And so in this particular section, and again, we don't have time to do all this. If you know a little bit about Revelation, this will ring true for you. There's this section where it says that these angels are opening these seven seals. It gets a little weird, and there's some really interesting imagery. But suffice to say that these seven seals, as each seal is opened, we watch a reality come to light. And these seven seals are not godly realities. They are the realities of the world. And so the first seal is broken open, and it says, look, here is a guy on a white horse. Somebody is coming to bring us peace. A savior is coming who will give us peace. The second seal is open. Oh, it turns out that white horse was a red horse. And a red horse is a horse of war. So the peacemakers are the ones who ultimately end up making war. The third seal is opened up. And all of a sudden, those who were making war in the name of peace are now oppressing in the name of peace. And so on and so forth. With each seal, it gets worse and worse and worse. And And John is trying to help us see, in mystic language, the ways of the world of war, of injustice, of oppression. And, in, in, and when the sixth seal is opened, the sixth seal, there's seven of them, when the second to last seal is opened, the narrative ends with, the great day of wrath has come and who is able to stand? You've been there. Who is able to, who's able to manage all this? Who is able to survive when the world is like this? What hope is to be found there? takes a mystic to see more than our circumstances. And that's what John is. And John pauses. The seventh seal is coming. But he pauses in the middle of this. With despair, which is the opposite of hope, 
swirling around this congregation, as they look hard into the truth, John almost winks at them. Gets that little smile on his face, you know. He just kind of gives a wink. And he's like, guys, I got something for you. Because he sees something that only the mystic, only the person deeply acquainted with Jesus can see. And that's where this reading happens. And then I saw a great multitude from every nation standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches, worshiping with great joy and a message for all people. Salvation belongs to our God. And he's making a direct confrontation. He says salvation is not going to come in white horses or in red horses or in oppression or in power or in money. No, salvation is going to come in the form of a lamb who died. And he's pointing us right back to Jesus. John never wants his readers, his listeners, to lose sight of Christ and his cross. In all of this chaos, keep your eyes on Jesus. Somebody asked him in great apocalyptic fashion. He said, well, who are these people that are around the throne? And the answer comes, these are the ones who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. These are the ones who have identified themselves with Christ. These are the ones who walk the way of Jesus. Clothed in white, the image of baptism. Waving palm branches, the image of Palm Sunday when we proclaimed, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of our God. And those who have been immersed in the blood, and it's this great word picture, immersed in blood and you come out white. You understand what's going on here. Those who have sunk their life into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is who is around this throne. And though they've passed through fire and through hell and through water, though they've experienced death, some of them in horrible ways, There's nevertheless around the throne of God joy and celebration. When? In the future? No, no, no. John is saying, right now. Right now. And there's peace. Because the kingdom is coming. They will hunger no more, thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, for the lamb will be their shepherd. This crucified one is going to take care of y'all. This is no mere wishing but a hope based on the resurrected Christ and the witnesses of those who have committed their lives to him. Where Christ has gone, we all go. And where Christ is headed, we all head. If you need a reminder of this, let's go way farther back to something maybe far more familiar to you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that is hope for today. Not that we can fix the world. Not that our future is taking is some far off place and some far off dimension. No, but right now, Christ accompanies us. Even as we head towards death and beyond, Christ walks with us. And that is a church, if we are committed to that, that can stare death right in the face, as Paul does elsewhere, and say, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? This is now. Remember, John is saying, focus on Christ because this is the truth of what is happening right now. This is now. Now the Lamb of God reigns. Now the multitudes shout salvation. Now your loved ones gather around the throne. And even now, as a world rages, we are called to the mystic's hope. For Christ is bringing his kingdom to bear. Like, what does that kingdom look like? Well, he described it for us. 
It is the kingdom that is built for the poor in spirit, the mourning, the meek, the hungry for righteousness, the merciful, the clean in heart, and the persecuted. And now, those who walk in that way, all the way through death, will come to that place where the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Hard-won hope for today. And in 1 John, John wrote this before he got exiled. John says, hey, y'all. He says, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. Y'all, what you are is beautiful. What you're about to be is killer. It's going to be great. God is doing something in you. You have no idea what God wants to do in you now. But he says, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And in seeing Christ, we will discover ourselves. And so he says, all who have this hope, there's hope again, all who have this hope in him, in Christ, will purify themselves. Get rid of all the junk. We're letting it go so that we can walk in the way of Christ with Christ as our companion. And we can do that faithfully and confidently and with hope because there are those who have walked this path before us who said, our Lord is faithful and just and will purify us from all sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is our loved ones around the throne of God right now who say, keep coming because you're going to make it now. So we can have hope in the now even in the very face of death. We can have hope in the future because wherever Christ goes, we will go. And Christ has gone to the right hand of God in glory and in power and in meekness. And one day so shall we. And around that throne are our ancestors who have paved the way for us. And so perhaps today, as we grieve, we may not grieve as others do who have no hope. But today, in the presence of the living and of the dead, all victorious in Christ, Perhaps today is a day to recommit ourselves to the way of the crucified Savior, the God who died, and to walk in his kingdom, which always looks like death, but is always life on the backside. One day our paths will lead through death as well, and one day we'll end up on the list that we pray for today. But we need not fear, because it is the way of Christ. Let's prepare for that day when we will fully be in the presence of Christ by walking with Christ now and understanding his way. And in following that way, may we become what God has built us to be, that one day we also might join our loved ones around the throne and say, salvation is from our God. And to the Lamb, praise and glory, wisdom and strength, honor and glory and praise be to our God forever and ever, even in the midst of all the chaos.